everyone to welcome to Joe Talks Comics. I'm your host, Joe Loves Comics, and this is the podcast where I talk with friends about the comics I've been really enjoying lately, plus occasional solo episodes and creator interviews. This episode, I'm talking with one of my best online friends, Connor, about one of my favourite series from the past couple of years or so, Homesick Pilots, published by Image Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Casper Wingard, lettering by Edith Bidikar, and design work by Tom Muller. Fantastic series. As I mentioned in the episode, you can read the first issue online on the Image website. They have like a bunch of them. You can read most of the Image first issues that are on there. So definitely worth checking that out if you want to sort of browse new series that, but you're not quite sure where to start, or maybe you want to try and sample an Image series. Or it's a great resource that I've used a few times in the past. I put the link for that in the description of this episode so you can access it easily and yeah i don't think there's much more to say there is a non-spoiler and spoiler part of this episode it starts off non-spoilery and then we delve into spoilers but don't worry we give a warning and there's like a transition and it's very obvious when you'll, you'll know when we're starting to talk spoilers so if you haven't read this yet i highly recommend it of course but i also if you, if you want to listen to the episode, like, obviously listen up to that point and then stop listening and then come back later. And, yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope you enjoy Homesick Pilots if you like to check it out when you haven't already. And I'll see you on the other side. So, Connor, I just want to introduce you to the podcast and thank you for being here. It's so great to have you here. I'm so excited for the talk we're going to have. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, it's an absolute honour. Mm. So, when did you first discover Homesick Pilots? Well, I was racking my brain earlier trying to think exactly when it mm. was, uh, because it had actually released before I started collecting comics. I was collect- started collecting properly uh, in April of 2021, so a year and a half ago. Uh, but this re- released, I think the first issue was December of the year before, it must have been in something that I was something image um, that I was reading. I feel like I saw it in the back of a of one of the image comics, and it was described as Power Rangers meets The Shining, and that coupled mm. with the stunning covers that were plastered all over the place, I was like, this just sounds like something right up my alley. And I think it was probably around June that I picked up the first, I think I got the first three issues in a bundle off eBay. And from then I was absolutely hooked. Yeah. It was a very interesting one to me because, um, this was really first released last year. I think it must have started. And I'm going to be before I, I lose track, but point being that I think by the time it had released, I hadn't been reading indie comics for that long. I'd only sort yeah. of recently sort of dipped my toes. And myself into like image comics and things so when something like this came along and and i had never really taken a particular interest in either power rangers or the shining but <laughs> somehow that the shop somehow that only piqued my interest because i remember myself saying that to um because my, my comic shop owner he had like got an advanced look at the issues and i remember saying that to him and he was like well it's you know that's a very loose like marketing comparison it's not really and i was like well, yeah okay yeah fair enough but but he said it was always oh, really good um so like at first it, it didn't seem like something i was in is uh, at first it didn't seem like something i was interested in but then 
as I kept hearing about it and hearing about it more and more, I just got almost worn down. Like by the time it came out, I just had to know what it was about. I just heard so many things. So I was like, okay, yeah. Like the the intrigue and the mystery has worn down me. I need to figure out what this is like. And yeah, I loved it. See, it's quite interesting that you've come from at the beginning of this from somewhere where you're obviously into you know superhero stuff. Is that is that what you're saying? You were into the the big two and mm, hadn't really yeah. dabbled in this. So you, you you were somewhere where there was lots of comics and lots of noise, but this started making its own noise. Whereas and that that's that's attracted you to it. Whereas for me, I I'd got into this almost by accident, so the whole comic thing, and I had nowhere that I was getting information from. I essentially the, the where I got my comic recommendations were in the back of the comics that I happened to just at a whim choose. So I think mm. I, I just quickly uh, having a look through the first couple of comics that I read, Carmen. Um, by Guillaume Marsh oh, yeah. was, was one of the first things that I picked up. That being Image, more than likely, was where I saw an advert in the back of it. So I think the what drew me to Homesick Pilots, not only it, it wasn't necessarily the the solicitation of it, the the, the Power Rangers uh, with the Shining thing. I'd say it was more the actual cover itself, the limited color palette or, or adjusted color palette of it. Because I was reading, hmm. um, alongside Carmen, I was reading The Many Deaths of Layla Starr at the time. Oh, yeah. Which is just, that's just phenomenal. The For someone to be able to put colours onto paper that are so skewed from what we see in real life and have it feel so natural and just, it it does, it's not off-putting. There's no adjustment time when you pick up something like The Many Deaths of Layla Starr and start reading it. I was like, oh, this... Homesick Pilots looks something similar. You know, they've got the bright pastely blues and there's neon pinks thrown in here. And I was like, I'll just give it a shot. And literally from the very first page of the very first issue, you've got, you know, inklings of what's to come. You see the house with the purple backgrounds behind it and the big bright pink light in the window at the top of it. And I was like, yeah, this is this is right. This is something for me. Yeah, for sure. Like you say, the art is absolutely gorgeous. I couldn't get enough of that art as it was going on, which made me super excited. Have you heard about the new series that he's illustrating with, um, written by Alex Pagnadel, also by Image, it's... All Against All? Yes, I, I have. Um, I, To be completely honest, I'd forgot about it until I went, uh, I went this evening to do a little bit of a research, mainly to try and figure out how to say his surname, which uh, <laughs> apparently yeah. in Dutch it's Weinhard, Casper um, Weinhard, but I thought it'd be Weingard, but because um, the I J sound. But yes, I, in in looking at that, it reminded me that I've not actually added that to my pull list, and it's something that I'm going to have to. Uh, is it? Yeah, December. It's coming out, isn't it? it the it, the mm. cover just screams more of the same for me, as it, it just looks like it could have been. A continuation of uh of the stories we we've had here, so I'm completely uh ready for it. Very excited. Yeah, I mean, I just looked it up again just for reference, and it is absolutely incredible. I just, it's so vibrant and rich, and there's something about it that really leaps off the page. It's such a unique art style. 
it's it's not actually too stylized. Like um like like a lot of artists you have artists like Riley Rossmoe that comes to mind there's this close around him with the new Tim Drake title where that's quite the proportions are sort of played with and quite unique and um like against against the norm essentially is yeah, it, it yeah yeah it, I, I wasn't quite sure how I wanted to um what word I wanted to use but almost like um sort of like twisted and whereas even though um Casper his his colours are well well yeah is is people are quite sort of in proportion and quite sort of like traditional kind of art the colours are just something about them that's just they're so rich and it's such like a lot of use of like pinks and things, which is something that I know just across like homesick pilot, sorts of like bright sort of neon colours, which is just always such a treat and a sight to look at. It's almost like you're looking at if you go into something like Photoshop and you get the hue slider and just mm. on the image and just drag it across, everything goes, you know, you get you end up with like bright yellow hair, purple face, you know. But He's got such a grasp over the use of colours and contrasting colours and complementary colours that it fits perfectly. He he's not just grabbing and sliding a slider. He's picking out the perfect colours and the perfect, you know, brightness. It, it light is used very very well in this book. Uh, another book that uses light phenomenally is Nita Hawes' Nightmare Blog. I don't know if you've read that. Oh yeah, I need to read that. Well, it's fantastic, but like. It's light. Light is something that, if it's done wrong, you notice it. If it's done well, you won't realize. But if it's done fantastically, it shine. Pun intended. It shines. Mm. And I feel like there's certain aspects in this where light and brightness it goes hand in hand with neon color. But it's used in in very significant ways. It feels like it's pulling more from the page than you would get from anybody else doing it. Yeah, it's definitely something that stood out to me and struck me from even like literally like the first page or just the covers alone. There was really nothing else like that. And and actually, it makes me, well, it, it reminds me of um, what they did on the back covers of Homesick Pilots, just to mention it quickly, where I loved how they had like the barcode was a slant, and over the fifteen issues, they like built up like stickers and graffiti, and there were loads of things which just sort of added to the back cover. I don't know if you ever noticed. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned this. See. This was going to be it's something I was going to bring up. Yeah, mm. it's it's like it's like if you had like a, a journal as a teenager and you yeah. grew up in the t- you know nineties and noughties and stuff, or a bag you put pins on it, you put stickers, you you know. Some people would even sew, you know, patches on and iron on vinyl stuff, and it feels very nostalgic and very centered around the 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 punk aesthetic that the the comics going for. It's I think that was it was something that I I think I only noticed maybe four or five issues in, mm. and I went back to check. I was like, is this actually what's happening? And I looked at the back of it. I was like, that's brilliant. It's fantastic. So by the end, it's like this huge jumbled mess of. Essentially, what feels like it feels like a visual representation of a personality of a single person who would go to like one of these homesick pilots gigs or the nuclear bastards uh, gigs, and you know they'd have a a jotter or a journal that they you know slam all these little bits of you know 
sort of merchandise that they may get or scribblings that they come up with. And it's it, it I don't know, it's it's very I think nostalgic is, is the right word, but it feels very very personal in in a way as well. Hmm. There is something very cool about the nineties setting that it takes place in and I know we sort of already talked about the artwork, but I think that is definitely part of it where it represents or at least I feel like it represents the era really well where it's very sort of like bright and um like you sort of said uh, like almost in terms of like the different like bands and like the places they're going to and sort of like the the, the point about halfway through in the series where like Amy and Buzz are just on the road just moving from town to town it's got a very like youthful youthful and energetic and yeah I just yeah it works really well yeah, it's, it it feels like it feels like you're watching a film, doesn't it? One of those coming of age dramas yeah. with superheroes and and mechs and everything thrown in together. And I I definitely agree with the 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 artwork fitting the time. It's like everybody sort of we we say when we say the eighties, we know what sort of you know artwork would look like. You know, it's all the the bright neons and stuff. You go to nineties, it goes to the you know, Saved by the Bell logo, where it's kind of pop, pop what is, uh, it's like all shapes and pop art and stuff like that. Mm. But it those those sort of decades are never that well defined. There's always a bleed through. So this is set at the end. I think 90, September 1993 is when Amy's supposed to move uh, to her uh, a new home, and then 1994 is when the main Yes. The main chunk of the story starts. I think it's June nineteen ninety four. So that that neon is the sort of you know up until ninety three, you'd still have some of the bleed through from the eighties coming through into the like she says the the street punk and the the oi punk sort of era in the underground music scene in in America in the nineties. So it's it captivates that perfectly with that wistful youthfulness that you were talking about of them being uh, on the run moving from from town to town it's I, I couldn't imagine any any other sort of art style you couldn't put that story i don't think to something using something quite drastic from from the book itself mm. and yeah as i just continue to think about the book i think maybe the word to describe it is the general aesthetic of it yeah like at one point, just sort of looking through things to do with the book, the whole thing with the like the VHS, like the sprawling VHS tape that like comes alive, and it's just there's lots of things like that, and like how those sort of sequences are illustrated that just makes it feel so captivating and compelling to me always. Yeah, the first time you see that tape, it's it's taking form, and you see like you see it just you know little spindly bits of this. VHS tape, and then it starts forming the 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 form of a female, and then it becomes this kind of awkward and a little bit goofy looking uh, human figure with a VHS tape on the top with the, the the reels for for eyes. And the first time you see those, I think it's three or four panels. It it takes it took took me back. I was thinking that's a lot of detail to be drawing in every single one of these panels. Yeah. And then, you see the fight scenes, and then it, it's a couple of issues after that as well, where you've got huge fight scenes with all these really thin, intricate reels of tape that are being thrown around and wrapped around a Ferris wheel and been in at you know top speeds. I'm like, 
that's just it's mind blowing to see that put down on paper that well. I I can't I, I can't imagine how you go how you even begin referencing something like that. It's because it's very based in real life. It's not like you're you're not drawing a creature from the deep or you know some some melted eighties horror sort of monster that you can just pull in from your, the back of your mind and make whatever shape and mess you want. This has to have some form of a realistic base. It has to come from somewhere that, or else you're taken completely out of the story, and you, you feel like you know, you'd feel like you, the, the suspension of disbelief would be wouldn't be there. So Casper gets that. So I don't, it, I, I'm, I'm just blown away. I don't, I don't really know how to put into words how fantastic that is. And I feel like it's something that the first the first time you look at it you get blown away, but then the, the second or the third time you just you see more and more detail and you get further and further into it. And it's it's phenomenal, phenomenal artwork. Yeah, for sure. There's just there's so much about the series to love and that I love. Where in the, looking at some of the issues on League, I can obviously sort of go back and look at my reviews. And I think there's definitely something about the first issue that immediately pulled me in. And I, I think it's that it did such a great job of both establishing the world and some of the characters. But to me, it also felt like there was a clear direction for the story from the start. And even then, it went sort of well, twists and turns. But because <laughs> I looked and yeah it was December 2020 and I, I remember in that sort of like autumn season there were lots of other things launching like Department of Truth and uh, Stillwater and may- maybe not those in particular but um, as I was sort of starting to delve into the world of indie comic books there, I noticed that some of them they set up their characters in the first issue and then you sort of have to like wait and see until the second issue to like get what the story is about. Because they'd be like, here's the characters, but then they wouldn't really sort of like a bit of a hook until the second one. Um, and of course, that's not like with every indie book, but just some of them. But then that was something that I really noticed about Homesick Pine, which was that first issue, is that I instantly felt pulled in on all like categories and bases where I was like instantly attached to the characters, I instantly wanted to know more about the world and the story and just where I wanted to go and it just yeah, still still to this day one of the best first issues I've ever read, for sure. Oh, I absolutely agree. It's they they did a lot with the, I think the best way of putting it is they, they they dangled a lot of carrots on sticks. So they they gave hmm. you enough they they gave you enough to like you said, set the scene perfectly well to sort of give us information about the characters, the dynamics between them and the the rival uh, band, showing you know who each individual person was, at least a small amount. But there was enough for you to go. I need more of that. I need to know. Mm. I need to know where you know Rip has come from. Why is he in? Why, why is he talking about this home that he lives in? That you know, all these other kids, you know, are telling horror stories about the old James house, and you you want to know why there's this rumor about Amy and her mother and her potentially killing her, and mm. it's like they they do lots of t- you know very small little pieces where it's left completely open, and you're desperate to see when that's going to come back, what you're going to get from that, what the 
how all the things blend in and tie back together. Another fantastic thing from whilst we're still on the first issue, the the big the big one full page spread of when Buzz and Rip are going into the house for the first time, and the nuclear bastards are also going oh, in yeah. as well. Where it's the whole page, it's just one page. No, it's a full splash page, no panels or anything. And you follow the characters through each room. So Buzz and Rip go climb up the outside and go through the top to the right and then down. And the nuclear bass is coming from the right, go left, up, and they both meet in the middle. And you're seeing this happen on a single page. It looks confusing mm. at first, but it works so well and it flows so brilliantly. And then they do what well, I think I think it's kind of hard to do in in comic form really well. A few issues later, it's issue four. They call back to that by having a full page again, but the house is completely covered in blood, destroyed. There's bodies everywhere, and it's just oh, as yeah. Amy's found. She's found out what the house is hiding from her. She's hovering in the middle of the house, and she she sees everything for what the house is because they're going through the house naturally, seeing the house as it really is, and then she's seeing everything hidden behind it. And it's just, it's one of those moments where you, you just go, oh, that's so clever. It was clever on its own the first time we were shown it, but then to do the callback and show all this hidden stuff that she's now seeing, it's just, it, it's it's phenomenal writing paired up perfectly with phenomenal artwork. Mm. And yeah, I just remember there were so many moments of joy when quite simply reading the issues in this series. Um, like the cliffhanger for the first arc, the first arc ends rather dramatically. And then sort of issue six is interesting because it, sort of, it sort of takes a turn. It, it moves the focus of the book away and shows something else to which sort of comes to play. And I know that sort of turns a couple of people off. I know there was one um, YouTube reviewer I was watching who it just wasn't feeling after that issue and I was oh fair enough and then and I felt like later on it, it they should have maybe tried it again I don't know if they ever went back to it but anyway the point being that and then the next issue after that they then touch up on the cliffhanger that closed out the first arc and when I, I remember just seeing that first page and just being so happy I was like yes and it was such like a, a, a well done emo- issue in terms of like, the emotion and the character and some of the um, sequences towards the end, just again, it's just illustrated so well, and yeah, it just. I the, the mm. what what you were talking about. I remember that. I remember that issue six, the the first one in the the second mm. arc. I remember reading. I've just found it here. I remember reading uh, someone's review to see what they I went I went to look every single time I read one of these I went and looked at the reviews and so I was like oh people seem to be enjoying it the same way I am and there's a, a review saying that the direction the story's going just isn't for me. It's been way too long in between issues for me to remember what's going on. And then you've replied to it and saying that you know it's a it's a new arc. This is the sort of thing that, that's gonna happen. It's an indie book. And it's one of those. I just, I hope, I so hope that that person has has carried it on and picked picked it back up, kept it going, because the the like you say that the way they that the high moments you get that every single issue had something that was genuinely exciting to read and see. It didn't feel like 
an issue I've seen that a lot of people bringing up, it seems to be all over the place at the minute, is the phrase, it's just not doing anything. You'll be reading comics where some people will call them filler issues, but a, a lot of comics, you know, they're, they're, they're padding it out. It's like you've got a lot that could be happening in the story, but it's not quite going anywhere. You're just having people have conversations that could have been scrolls into a couple of page pages, but they're drawn out over an entire book, an entire issue. But they didn't seem to do that. They seem to just constantly have something new, something exciting, something that you were desperately waiting to see what the next issue would have. Mm. In in that sense, it's like, well, if if they've done this now, what are they doing next? And then obviously it comes to the you know the non spoilery um huge ending and it's even even the ending i feel did something different it's very open ended and it's it's what it's it's genuinely one of the most exciting things that i've read even even till now even in terms of you know literature is one of the most exciting things in, including tv and film it's it grabbed me in a way that i've not felt in a long time, in terms of a series, mm, yeah, for sure. I was just when you, when you said about reading back your reviews, I was just looking back at a few of mine, and in, in my review for Seven, you know, sometimes when you review a comic, you you don't have a whole lot to say about it, but you want to leave a review because it gets it on the feed and it maybe reminds people it's out there. And so sometimes the reviews you make aren't as enthusiastic, but this review for Seven that I did is not one of those. I can almost feel the excitement emanating off the review. It was, and it's it's great because I I can like remember that just sense of like joy and wonder that every issue it was just easily one of the most exciting things I was waiting for each month. I was looking forward to each issue so much. Um, it, yeah, it was such it a almost, treat. It almost feels like. Like you're just finding new ways to say this is fantastic, isn't it? When, exactly. when you're trying to explain it to someone, and you're like, it's it's just good. Just just I don't want to, you. Ne- you never want to say too much because you don't want to take away from someone experiencing it for the first time, and you know that exactly. it is absolutely worth them experiencing that. So you try and give just enough to bring them in, but not enough to take away any of what you got from reading it. Mm. Yeah, because it would be so easy to just like gush, be like, "Well, and this happened," and this, and actually, I I parodied this in my review of the latest issue of the Power Bomb, where I was like, "And this happened, and this happened, and this happened," but I I like um blanked out the spoiler bit, so I, I was like, "Can you believe when redacted the spoilers happened?" And, I, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. I, I, was like, I thought that was like quite funny because. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely the case. That was definitely a series where it was like, you can't say more about it. You already have. Um, I don't know where um, other people stand on this or where you stand on this, but I don't really personally intend to do spoiler reviews. I appreciate having the option. Sorry. but um, That's fine. I feel like having a spoiler review almost defeats the object of having a review at some point, because personally, and maybe this is just me, when I write a review, it's... Not only because I want to share my thoughts on it, but also because I hope someone else will go out there and pick it up. So if you have to have like read it beforehand, I don't know. I understand the necessity for it. It's, I think the spoiler review is to promote 
a sort of it's to move a discussion around yeah. the, rest of the regular reviews are as you said to ex- excite someone and, and get them to go out and grab this thing that you like so that more of it can be created whereas mm-hmm. a spoiler review is essentially i'm saying something that other people who already are out there and will want to read this and find out it's like I want to talk to loads of people about it when they're ready to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. It's. I think. I think it's. It's necessary, but I tend not to do the spoiler reviews because, well, to, mm. to be honest, as well, it's. I'm. I usually because I. I order a lot of my stuff online. Um, it's a bit slower to get out to me. Um, so I'm usually reading this after everybody else has had those discussions. Anyway, I just re. I repopulate the. Uh, the league feed with old comics that uh, I've read a week later than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun when there's. It's just not slightly going off on a bit of a tangent, but it's always fun when the league um, is populated with reviews and you can sort of see that someone's been reading through something because they like keep doing reviews for issues. And it's not like within a two short time frame that becomes irritating but it's just sort of fun where like every day there's like a next issue and you can still follow that they'd be reading the same run yeah you're getting to experience them reading it along with them it feels doesn't it it's a it's quite a, mm, it's quite a yeah. nice a nice thing to go along with yeah for sure mm, my mind's going blank um, um you, go ahead no sorry what were you going to say well, i was going to say that this the homesick pilots meant so much to me and i think has stood out as one of my absolute favourites. Not not just in the sense of, like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the art. I think it's one of the, the the best examples of what can be done in a medium like this without without going into the funkier sort of realms of doing, like, silly stuff like, you know, fourth wall breaking and messing with panels and all that. The writing on top of it, obviously, is fantastic. But for me, I when I started reading comics, I, I only had... Stuff like Carmen and, and Layla Star and stuff. It was it was four to six issues long, sort of mini series. And I obviously hadn't jumped onto any ongoings or any sort of longer series. So this was the first thing that I'd read that was over that sort of maybe six issue run. And with it being five arc, three arcs of five, sorry, spread out across essentially a, a whole year, no, a year and a half, sorry, it felt. It felt bigger than anything I'd I'd experienced in in comic form to that date, and it then became quite bittersweet to get to the end of it and then to go, oh, th- th- this is it for me. So I, I'm I'm the sort of person who who doesn't always I don't always finish things I don't always complete things because there's a part of me that goes I can still go back and redo that. It's I think I've spoke about it, it before on on the league. It's if I leave something with, you know, the last issue or the last episode or the last film in a series, I can go back and do a marathon and it feels like, you know, watch them all from the beginning again. And there was part of me that was like, oh, I'm going to do that with this. I'll never find out what happens to Amy and and the gang. But I did, even though I had this thing in me that was trying so hard to be like, don't finish it because you don't have to come to the end of it. But I did. I finished it and it was the most fulfilling exciting close to a series that wrapped it all perfectly and it, it it feels strange to say that it felt like an accomplishment for me to to finish something like this because all I'm doing is reading it but it, it did it felt like it felt like I'd 
I'd faced up to something fan- fantastic and I went, yes, I got through the end of it and I have this whole complete thing that I can go out into the world and talk to people about and get other people excited about and I can make them get involved and potentially, you know, we, we one day maybe see um, a fourth arc, a new story, um, if we get if it gets enough people excited about it, which I'm still holding out for. It was it was left very open ended, and and one day we'll we'll get the homesick pilots tribute band, and you know, potentially another fifteen issues. I live in hope. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of months between the penultimate issue, issue fourteen, and the last one, fifteen. So, like you say, I remember picking it up and like holding off. I was really tentative. I was like, no, I just. I need to just hold off. I need to just like, save the list for a bit more. Um, because also, I wanted to do a reread of the whole thing before I got to the final issue, just to like fully like capture and appreciate an experience before it was over, and then I could just um have some closure with it and put the finality on it. And yeah, like you say, it, it did end really well and quite satisfyingly. But yeah. It it was a very interesting ending, and I, I would definitely be down, of course, for if they ever did any more. But I think we'll have to see what happens. I'm fine with there not being more, but I'm also yeah. okay with the idea idea that they might because it 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 was tied off really well. They mm. it, you know go out on a high. I'm 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 all for that. You know don't don't do another one just you know for the sake of doing it. But if they could come up with something, you know halfway as good as that i'd still be very interested in reading it it's it's de- what what you were saying was definitely um something that i i struggled with as well because um like, like i said i i've been i've not been collecting comics for very long and i don't know if everybody else had this issue but going month to month waiting for the new issue i'd forget what had happened in the run-up to it so sometimes i'd be reading mm. through something and i'd go Oh yeah, that's what this story was about. And with this one having, you know, longer than just a normal one month, it was about two months, uh, two and a half months in between. I, I was that. I think that made me a bit more tentative to to finish it as well. Like you said, you wanted to make sure that you were fully experiencing the ending of something that you've enjoyed so much. You didn't want to just have this little end piece tagged on. You wanted to go back and read through so you could fully. Get grasp onto what was being told in this final issue. Mm. And yeah, I remember with the end of the second arc, the way that ended, the second arc was very dramatic in the sense that the first arc was sort of like the original. It was like the classic. It was good. It was, I loved it. But then with the second arc, things were really sort of moving forward and there were a lot of pieces that were sort of moved into place to set up the climactic final arc. And Issue 10 feels like it ends really suddenly, just in terms of, when I say it ends on a cliffhanger, it like, it just sort of ends, and then issue 11 picks up right away, like, what, two, three months later? Yeah. And <laughs> you, you, you really feel that, if a series is, like, that good, you like, you really feel that weight, and you really feel the excitement of its return, which is um something that was especially prominent in January of this year when Saga returns after three years. So, you know, <laughs> a, a bit longer of a wait. 
Just a bit, yeah. See, in in regards to the 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 story itself, because I feel we've we've you know teased around the story with it, it felt almost like during the uh, during the second act where we find out a lot about the the mech. I don't, I don't want to I don't want to go too far into it. Um, should someone be listening to this who wants to read it, but did you feel like the explanation as to why that, you know, the 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 whole it felt almost like it became very political out of nowhere, just from left field, and they they picked that up, ran with it for a couple for a couple of issues, and then just sort of left it. I don't know if you remember the the explanation of the mech and the the what powered it. Uh yeah, sort of like halfway through the, the six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, so like issues eight and nine, it must have been. You mean with like there was definitely like a whole thing with like Buzz and Amy like halfway through that got very sort of dramatic and mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was definitely a very interesting moment in the series and how that sort of um played into it going forward and especially how if I'm if we're thinking of the same thing how that sort of starts to apply itself in the, the final arc. Yeah, I it's 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 the it's what it's it's hard it's hard to dance around it, isn't it really? But it's it's one of those where I feel like it's it's the one one bit of the writing where I think it just came out of left field and it left me a bit feeling a bit I'm not I don't, I'm not entirely sure how to put it into words, but it was one blip on the radar for me. I feel it wasn't the best part of the writing, but I could sort of oversee. I could look over that for the rest to see the rest of the the overarching story for what it was, and I feel like it's in no way does it take anything away from the final product. Product, and I feel like this is absolutely you know the my, my epitome of what a five star series should be. You know, I, I'm very I'm very easily swayed to give something five stars. I, I've tried to talk myself out of it recently when I'm doing reviews and and really be a bit more critical. Um, but this is one of those that is absolutely at the tip top end of the the five star scale. I'd have to say, even even for the things that I think that people pick out as flaws, um, you know, like you said, the, uh, the the cliffhanger ending, the the slow start to the the second arc, it a lot of it feels. It doesn't feel like it's you know that they've necessarily for for some of these they've they've made mistakes. It feels like it's purposeful. They purposefully have hmm. a slow start so you could have that big moment when you you get to the second issue of the second arc. I feel like the the sudden end to the second arc where and then you said you know a couple of months later um, in the down the storyline for issue eleven it's they suddenly jumped a few months. It's like you you physically felt that jump in time waiting for the third arc to come out. Mm-hmm. That that to me almost feels like it's purposeful. It feels yeah, like they're maybe. just going. Yeah, it, it ended, and then they they've they've gone. It's moving this far forward. Potentially, it wasn't, but if it if it's ended up feeling like that, then I feel like it's 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 good writing. It's good. You know, they might not have meant it, but it's come out that way. So you know, kudos to them, I guess. Mm. In one of my reviews for, well, in my review for issue nine, I used the word fluidity when describing the art, and I think that's actually a, a really um, good and fitting word to use because it, it definitely has that quality about it where it really just stands out and pops out against the page and I always it, it's something that I sort of notice every so often but 
there are times when the colors on the comic book are really like rich like they just feel like deep and like i could almost just like reach out and like touch them and they'll be like silky smooth or soaky or like i don't know almost like wet paint it's it's really hard to try and describe but it feels like it's got substance to it rather than being a yeah. flat image on the page yeah yeah, exactly. yeah this captures that very well and that like uh, i've brought up the uh the review talking about it it makes sense the the fluidity craziness and color it it is it's it all, it's all one big bundled thing that's so perfectly put down on the page that you just feel like you're being carried through it yeah you know the pacing's on point so the pacing adds to the fluidity the writing's natural which adds to that as well and it, it's it's just a perfect example of using the medium to its fullest mm, it, sure it, it's mainly you know a, a visual medium you know you, even if you say that the writing, the writing, you have to read it. It has to be put down there visually. I, I love the fact that the the lettering on this was was done so well. You have the the big, the you know the big exciting foom moments where you know mm. uh, the, the letters are written out as you know essentially you're seeing the image through the letters. Like the panel, each panel is a letter, and you have to look around and just everything felt. Like it was supposed to be there. It was part of this parcel that was put together perfectly for us to enjoy when we opened up that front cover. We split the front and back cover open and saw what was put down there. Mm. Yeah, the, the letters from Editability are just exceptional. The design work the logo, the It does work on the X titles. Um, so, of course, to also be working on something like an image title like Homes of Pilots, it's such a treat. It's just an overall satisfying package of a comic book from each issue where it just, everything, it just feels so, like, well put together and, like, crafted with care and love. And you can tell the passion that both, well, that the, all the creators have for this project. Even, I'd... I... I agree completely with you. I I even thoroughly enjoy the all the variant covers and stuff. Ev- everything felt like mm. they they were they were because sometimes variant covers feel tacked on, but even those felt like they were supposed to be. They were part of the main run of of covers. So e- each issue had something specific about that issue. Sometimes you'll see a variant cover and it'll just be some. You know, it'll be a character that might not even be in that issue and it'll be something happening It's just so that they can show off this and grab people in to read it. But each of those, the variant covers, had something to do with what you're looking at in between those pages. It felt like that could be a normal cover for it. It was all very well thought thought through and put together. And they made, they just, they made very good choices about, you know, the team they put together to create this and then the people they reached out to to do the covers. It's just an absolute... Prime, a prime example of what can be done with comic as an art form, I feel. Yeah, exactly. I think we should spend some time talking about some of the plot details because we've been dancing around it and I know I can tell well to talk about it and sort of stop holding back in a way. Um, yeah. If anyone that hasn't read this yet and wants to and... Cares about spoilers, you might want to stop listening now. I 
won't be offended if you means you go and read one of my favourite comic books and then come back and listen to the rest. And go, go leave. Yeah. Read the book, come back. Yeah. We'll be waiting. Hopefully, if you've left by now, um, hopefully if you're still here, then that means you want to hear the conversation about spoilers and plot details. So the thing I've been thinking about is the structure of the comic itself. It's very much almost like a three-act structure in terms of the three different arcs, where you have the first arc, which is very much about like Amy discovering the house and the first initial sort of consequences of that happening with like collecting up the ghosts and the battle against the um, VCR tape and all of that with um, what's her name Megan Megan being introduced Meg, with yeah. like the blood Meg towards the end of the arc and how that goes into the second arc where like I was sort of saying earlier with issue six it's focused on Megan Rep at System Disrupt and what's been happening there since the break. Um, at the end of the first issue, at the end of the first arc. And then issue seven, which is what I just absolutely loved, is when we discovered that Meg, not Meg, I'm mixing up all the characters, Amy and Buzz, Buzz. Uh, yeah, yeah that didn't die, and didn't die when the house went to the underwater. <clears throat> but that's when we first see them traveling across the country, and just the colors and the... I mean, this is continuing to be a conversation about the art, but <clears throat> like even in the character-based moments, we sort of see like the emotions on their faces, and I think that's something that really stands out to me when there's comic book art where they're good at illustrating like the big battles, but also like the more personal, emotional, character-based moments. That's always a big deal for me. Yeah, I I agree as well. It's 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 brilliant to see see an artist who can. Like like you say, do both the 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 big scenes and the sort the subtle changes in in you know someone's expression. I think what's even more impressive with this is that it's not it's not highly detailed. You're not using mm, a lot yeah. of lines and a lot of colors and and tone to show those little details, but it still comes across so strong and so so obvious. It. it but without feeling unnatural as well. It's it's a very fine line that's that's balanced on very well. Mm. So earlier, were you still talking about the issues that take place towards the latter side of the second arc with that issues of eight and nine when if you remember they go to the concert and then it sort of turns sour very quickly because it gets very wild and very sort of trippy with what happens. Oh no! See, I actually, I, I caught on that this was what you were saying, but I didn't yeah. want to step in and and and, no. and what I was sure. talking about was too was too heavily spoiler based. So I'm glad that we we get to talk this out. You feel free to go ahead and um and explain that section, and I'll explain my little section afterwards if you want to. Well, yeah, I can't remember it perfectly because it's been a while since I read this, and I, I didn't reread it before recording this. Um, but yeah, I feel like. At the concert, one of the one of the ghosts is there's like the old kid called the old Marky or something. Um and he's not what's aiming to get to look at something, I remember. And it just sort of brushes him off. And then later on it turns out there's sort of this almost like Cronenbergian like ghost monster thing 
yeah. comprised of like lots of different like bodies and it's some sort of like message about the I don't know the, uh, there's definitely like a clear I'd have to reread the issue to be honest but there's lots, lots of sort of like clear themes there with like the concert and how that ends up being broadcast on the I think that's literally where the issue ends on the cliffhangers and they they're like broadcast on TV and like oh no it's about to go down now and it just sort of goes <laughs> downhill from there until the end of the series yeah, it's um, you're right. It's it it is the the cliffhanger for that one, isn't it? That's where the final page. I'm just trying to double check see if I can find it here, but yeah, it's a Cronenbergian is is def, is a very good a very good way to uh to explain that as well. I, I like I like the uh the use of that word. It's you 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 chose a uh, a separate and to be completely honest, I'd I'd forgot about that because it, it's just it. It's suddenly um Amy and, and Buzz are throw they they've been trying to essentially keep themselves under the radar and then they are literally front and centre in the news, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, so exactly. They, they they've completely um ju- just they've let their guard down one single time and it it's ended up essentially causing this you know, the the absolute opposite of what they they were aiming for. And it's uh it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a big moment where you instantly go oh well yeah th- things are changing next next issue is going to be a a hell of a mess yeah I mean I just remember thinking it, it really takes a turn or well I just remember thinking it, it really took a turn here like just suddenly got very wild and yeah I, I wasn't entirely sure where it was going to go from there but with that the rest of the series I just knew it was going to be something good. Yeah, I, I realise why why when I mentioned political, you jumped mm. to this because it make because they're talking about it's when they're at the gig, they start talking about um, what is it? It says can't even walk down the street and hear American, and then the next speech bubble, it's Amy's thoughts cover up the actual what you're hearing. Yeah, you know what? You don't need to hear that was any it. of this shit. You know the rhetoric. I, yeah, I'd, I'd forgot about that. So it it makes sense that you that you jump to this. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a very big moment where you, you're starting to see. You know, she she's sort of she's sort of sick of the way that things are. I feel almost, and it's sort of she she's sick of the of you know the state of the way things are in the country, but she's also sick of the way that she's having to live. You know, moving town to town. You can tell it's taken a toll on both of them. They don't, they don't look the same. She's, you know, her hair's all cut short and ragged looking, and and it's, it's that sort of that sort of juxtaposition with you know her not liking the way the way things are, and they're about to change as we find out when you know she suddenly blasted in front of a you know all these cameras and news choppers, and the way that America and the world is, and how that's all going to suddenly be changed because, you know, we're going to have a house fight, a blood-based mech powered by ghosts. Like, you know, it's all, all sorts of uh, all sorts of comparisons and lines so, being drawn in the story. Yeah, and, it, and it's so cool that, because that sort of touches on what makes the series so entertaining to me, is I feel like I constantly... Um, say or think or in my reviews or things I've sort of realised that the perfect things I always love from stories is when it's like absolutely wild like off the wall insanity but there's still like a 
grounded emotional like character work there like that was something most recently over the summer i remember thinking when i finally read paper girls they're sort of traveling from like time to time it's so worth it especially if you can get the complete paperback it's all like 30 odd issues or whatever um it's sort of like bouncing around from time to time up time to time arc to arc but the character arcs and the characters are so well defined still that it's really impressive and that's something that I noticed about this series where it almost feels like the purest and most like extreme form of that where on one hand you have like Amy and Buzz and Rip and Meg and you've got all those characters where you still feel for the very unique and very unusual struggles that they're going through and some very all too real ones as well and then but also you have the haunted mechs powered by ghosts fighting haunted houses <laughs> that are literally like walking across california and it's like you just sort of say it out loud and it sounds crazy but it's just it's so fun and i think it's because um sort of good writers they know how to take that sort of thing and to keep it grounded with the characters which just always impresses me and that's easily one of the things that hooks me into a story yeah you're completely right the the base that's set is the characters it is the it's the relationships between them it's the stories it's it's the uniqueness of each every single character there felt different and like they were supposed to be a part of this story they weren't just tagged on and that's what that drives the story all the way through and you get to throw these off the wall you know batshit crazy insane sort of things like your huge Cronenbergian mess of human contorted flesh and you don't go it doesn't take you out the moment because there's still that realness they're not just going ha look at this isn't it crazy isn't this random Mm, and insane they're going it's shocking but once you have the shock no everybody doesn't just like you know they don't suddenly start acting differently. It doesn't go... You still see the realness of the characters. They react the way you expect them to. They're fighting for each other. They're fighting for what they believe in. And it's so it's so well written and so well done. It feels natural. It, again, is a word that's going to come up. It feels natural the way they react. And it's that driving force that carries you from each strange thing. Like, you know, the, the first arc you had, you know, uh, some... One of the the nuclear bastards, their head gets popped off by the house. The pipes wrap around him, yes. and his head shoots off of his shoulders. And you get taken aback, and you go, "Oh my god, what's that?" But then you see everybody reacting normal, like not normally, like reacting the way that someone would. They're panicking. They're trying to find the door. They don't understand why the door's not there, and they're going, "This isn't real. That's not the way." They, they, one of the characters says that this isn't real life. That's not how real life works. I can't think of another series where something like that happens and the person is trying to convince themselves, saying, this is not how real life works. It feels very genuine. And when all these odd things are happening, you've got that power pushing you through and keep like keeping you grounded. Like you said, it's a very good word. It's it's keeps somehow that suspension of disbelief very firmly rooted. To, to you, you don't feel like it's not something that couldn't happen because you go, oh yeah, that's that's how I'd react. I'd be like, oh, oh this, oh that. I'd be I'd be looking for a door. I'd be trying to fly through a window, and it's just fantastically, a, a, fan, a fantastically written 
set of characters that carry this crazy story through. I remember um, there was a film that came out, The Goldfinch, and I remember, because I wanted to read the book for the film, I then read the book, and then my dad read it as well, and he liked it. And it was one of those things when, when you sort of like talk about the plot, my dad was like, oh yeah, I don't know how people come up with these things. It's such like a like niche, yet like lots of like twisty and turny thing. And that's how I saw, I think about that a lot in terms of some of the stories and some of the comics that come up, because you just, yeah, some of the books that you read that are just absolutely wild. And I don't know how anyone comes up with that stuff. It's, it's so cool and so insane to me sometimes. Just uh, they, they put, it gets pulled out of thin air and put down, and you're like that. It, it's, mm. it's always exist. It feels like it's always existed because it's so well done. It's like, well, yeah, someone yeah. should have wrote that. It's it's fantastic. And my political uh, moment in in the book um, that that we, we we both got sort of a. Confused, confused over your yours definitely that that hits the nail on the head. I completely forgot about that section because I, I read through the first arc. I'd, I'd recently reread a while ago, but I read through the first arc to fully, you know, sort of uh, get get some things back, you know, to the forefront. But I remember the uh, I remember my political moment as as being I think because yours fits I think very well, and because that didn't jump out as something for me to remember. The moment I'm talking of is uh, yeah. where you find out what, how the nuclear bastard is powered. I'm not too sure if, it, if you remember. It's because they're, they're located in a desert that's oh, actually yeah. a nuclear testing yeah. site. And it's powered by the, the ghosts of everybody who's died from the fallout of nuclear radiation, irradiated mm. soil uh, and stuff like that. and that was the only sort of thing that I felt was very oddly wedged in because even though there is that political comment that happens with that big at uh, the the gig with the the huge um, mass of flesh that gets covered up, and Amy says, "Oh, you've heard this this rhetoric before. This this is something that you've heard. You don't need to hear this." For them to then go and do, isn't it really bad? Countries done this it's it's the ghosts of the of of the bad things you've done coming back to fight you it felt shoot maybe not shoehorned in but it felt a little bit sort of out of place yes yeah yeah when when you've got i i guess it, it shouldn't because you know you've got two punk bands and and the the whole essence of punk and you know I mean, I can see what you mean. and stuff like that it just it felt it felt a little bit <laughs> a little bit strange to have it cuz cuz there's quite a, a good chunk of, of those issue that issue where they're talking about this and they do they definitely lean on the fact that it's it's the the ghosts of of America there's so many of them they keep talking about how strong the nuclear bastard mech is because of how many ghosts there are it's drawing from all the pain that was caused there and it, it's it's reinforced time and time again it's not just one little thing that pops up and then they mention it and they move on like a lot of the other sort of Things have been mentioned in terms of like you know they they mention you know the the Nazi punks that move into the scene they mentioned that in the first arc because of the oi movement like they drop little bits here and there that are political sort of political commentary and then move on and this it felt strange that they just so heavily sunk into it and it 
that was the the driving message for for a few issues. Mm. Yeah, that was the other one that I was wondering. <laughs> As we were talking, there was sort of a couple that I was thinking of, but then we still had to dance around it. I wasn't quite sure which one it was. But yeah, because it says in the Sinister Nine, it talks about a, a national trauma has been successfully weaponized. And then in 12, it, in the Sinister 12, it says about um, the history of the ghosts of Slade Bear is written by the Sinister as well, obviously, ghosts of the old James House taking part in America. I don't understand that. It almost feels, I don't know, there's something about it that does, that, that did feel a bit off or a bit weird. Like the idea that maybe, maybe it wasn't on the nose, like, like I um, mentioned, as you were saying. I don't know. It, it, it's a very interesting idea, but I can definitely see what you mean. It's, it, for me, it felt strange because you had, it, it felt like it stood out as that was almost the theme for that section of of the series, whereas it, because you said that you know that it felt like three acts, didn't it? You, you had mm. the first act, which was the the setup, and then you know finding out about the house, the ghost, collecting them. The the final act was you know it felt like a final act. It just felt like the the middle act that was you know the big battles and the the action. It was essentially it was. It was a small build up to the big action payoff of of you know like a you know fight scenes in in something like like Avengers films, and it just felt strange to have that be such a big predominant thing that they that they brought up and kept referencing, whereas it felt like it didn't quite fit what the rest of the arc was going for. I think that was my why why it stood out for me. There's, there was nothing else that seemed to jump out out of place in either of the the first or the third arc. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's just me. Maybe it's me being jaded and going, "Oh, it, here we go again." But which is kind of ironic because that's that's sort of what Amy says in your your section that you were talking about at the uh, the gig. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe it's me being a jaded old man. I mean, it's definitely something to, um, like you say, sort of like at the beginning of the series or at the later gig where. I don't know if ambiguous is quite the right word because it, it feels pretty sort of explicit, but I don't know. I just sort of keep coming back to the idea that, that maybe it was just sort of too on the nose to like sort of double down and fully explore that concept. And there, there is something like, I, about I, it. I like the idea of it. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, well, the, the idea of like she's, the, she's considered stronger because she has so much power. It's, she's not drawing from, from you know, a handful of ghosts here that are, you know, locked inside, you know, a fridge, uh, a lampshade, a kid's action figure. It's like this is being drawn from the soil that the country has been built on. Like that's kind of, I, I kind of like that. That's, it, it's, it's a cool concept. Yeah. She, she is being powered by this that's been, and to turn it back around, it just, it felt like it had like very purposeful political overtones that felt off with the message that you've been given so far because. You know, Meg's Meg was part of a punk band. The Nuclear Bastards considered themselves more punk than the Homesick Pilots were, and that was a you know a, a big part of at least the at least the first arc was you know you know the DIY feel of punk bands and and you know it's the the difference. In, there's mention of posers and and street punks and all this sort of stuff. It felt like it was a bit strange to then get. So so hev- heavily political. It it felt it just it felt a little bit. I, I guess it could it could be seen as, as something that would be fitting because you know 
uh, a lot of punk band punk is you know a political a political musical movement really it's I, I think like you say it's it's hard to describe why it felt off but there's something about it that didn't quite feel like it landed as, as perfectly as the rest of a lot of the other stuff that they did um within the rest within the rest of the story so i'll have to go i think i feel like it's something i have to go back and revisit and f- try and pinpoint why why it was that it didn't quite sit right because the more and more i think about it the more i feel like it shouldn't have sat right it should be it should be fine it should be something that you just take and move along with but i can't i can't Fully uh, pin it down. Yeah, I get it. Um, if you didn't know, on the Image Comics website, and just talking generally to listeners, you can read lots of the Image first issues, and um, which is quite cool if you want to sort of try out a series and see what it's like. But just looking through that, just looking at some of the um, pages that they have on here, and it's quite interesting because when it shows them the flashback when the pilots are at the first Nuclear Busters concert that we see, they have a similar sort of deal to the um, thing where, like you said, at the later gig where Amy is like talking over the, she's like talking over the speech bubbles out there. And here, you don't actually see the lyrics, it just says some shitty drought, drought? Why, why can't I pronounce that trash. word? Yeah, so I don't know what I can't pronounce that word. <laughs> Derivative. There we go. Derivative. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they definitely like doing their callbacks, don't they? Like they like sort yeah. of uh, nodding to things that they they've they've hinted at previously, or drawing comparisons, or to to certain things. I'm not too sure. It's something that I only I only noticed because I uh, I read through the the first arc again today. Um, again that. That you're, if we're drawing comparisons, the there's a, a section where they're just about to go into the house before they have that full page of the the mm. nuclear bastards and the homesick pilots meeting, and both the drummer the drummers in both the bands both say that they want to put a is it what do they call it is it oh yeah um we put a d a d beat on that breakdown is the is the phrase they use and both of them use it just as they're about to go into the house. So it's another little sort of thing, you know. The it's they're rivals, but they they're working within the same space, and they have the same sort of feelings and thoughts about what they're doing. And I I like I like that little. It's almost like a it's all you're seeing things from opposite sides, but they're seeing the exact same thing as they're about. Mm. Uh, even though they're 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 but they're butting heads in real life, but they both agree on the same th- on on a lot of the stuff, and they just can't quite see it. Because they believe that they're, you know, each other's the enemy. Um, just as they're about to, you know, enter the house from different sides and then come face to face in the middle of it, it's it's all very, very well written, very well put together. The, the little things that you notice um, on on the rereads uh, when you go back through it are fantastic in this book. Mm. And just looking through that first issue again. Something that I did want to mention that I haven't already is I always loved the pages that were just like they're not pure black. It's hard to describe. They sort of got like a texture on them. I got like yeah, a the white texture, and no, then it's, it's just, almost like mm, got the 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 narration on there. Yeah, it's a it's a narration page. So, sorry, I didn't mean to step over there. It's it's no, essentially like yeah. a it's a fuzzy narration page where it's mm. like it looks dusty. It almost looks. 
it almost looks like it's it's over some sort of static or something, mm. doesn't it? Which which makes me feel like it had something to do with the uh, the VHS creature because the, mm. the people have screens on their chests, don't they? When they come out, when they come, they they come to get um, Buzz and Meg. And I always thought it was something to do with that, but it carried on after that. So I, it's something that I'd like to. I'd like to know if there was a if there was more meaning behind that than that I could quite decipher. I always thought it added to the cinematic feel of the comic that you saw mentioned at one point, where they're sort of yeah. like standing there listening to the concert, saying, "Oh, it, it, that's a certain something. It's got no heart, man. They're not doing anything." And so it was and they're like, "Oh, we need to show what the homesick parts are really about." And then you have that panel, which is just Amy going, we should throw a gig in the house that kills people. And then you sort of turn <laughs> the page, and it's just like, like there's, there's just no panels or anything. It's just like the black without the white text and sort of like the narration. And then it's just like, oh, I didn't know that it was actually haunted. I was being dramatic. And then it cuts back to the... Just something about that just almost gives me chills. Like, cause it, just, it feels so well done. It's so cool. It, it's, it's a very... It... It's almost it's quite jarring, isn't it? Because you be you're going through a book and you're reading it, and then all of a sudden you turn over the page. There's no imagery; it's just a whole page of just that. And it's it it's constantly. I feel like the the way they're constantly trying to do something different with each page, especially in that first issue. Mm. Um, obviously the, the it it starts you know with the the big the big reveal of what's essentially coming up that you you don't realize that it's coming up, but then you know you've got the likes of uh. They use a lot of vertical panels. There's some pages where they have fully, like the whole page is split up into like three or four vertical panels, and and then they'll just randomly throw this black page at you. To it feels like it's it's trying to keep you on edge. It's kind of uneasy when they're doing stuff like that, and it's it it definitely adds to the the tension that you're feeling going, especially through the through the first um the, the first issue. The tension's built up really well, especially with those those black pages. Mm, yeah, it's it definitely feels like a lot happens in the first issue, like I sort of touched on early on in the conversation, where you sort of have that tease at the beginning of it's quite a nice sort of cold open to sort of set the mood and the atmosphere and the aesthetic, and then sort of follow them at the gig, the nuclear bastards gig, and then go from there. And then when they get to the house, that awesome splash page, and and then. The way the sort of issue ends, when we sort of find out where Amy is and what she's been up to and what a sort of role is going forward in this series, it's it feels very different from where the issue started, and it, it made me very intrigued and excited to see where it was going to go when it first came out. It, yeah, it, it definitely felt like a roller coaster first issue, didn't it? They, they yeah, like exactly. To get big emotional hits, big moments, and that, that's one thing that when I was I was writing down a few things as I was reading through. Um, that sort of jumped jumped out at me, and like you said, it feels it feels like a like you're watching like a like a, a film. You're watching a piece of cinema. Um, yeah. Issue two, there's a, there's a scene where Amy's back in the house because um, she she keeps getting sent out of the house whenever um, Buzz comes over. Oh yeah. So the the old James the ghost sends her out to find other parts of. of of other ghosts to bring back and she comes back and she's got her head against the wall there's a doorway in the back the next panel is bright red and old james is stood in the doorway and then the panel after that 
she's sort of looking around as if she felt like she's watched and he's gone. It's like that's a very a very strong piece of cinematography, but it's 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 in panels. It's done on paper. It feels like a strong piece of cinema, but you're seeing it as three still images, and it's really impressive mm. to be able to land something that strong and that striking on on a medium like like a comic book. Um, and then another big moment I I definitely like to bring up is in issue three, they're going. There's a section where Amy goes through. She's talking about the ghosts that are there, and she actually explains a few of them because we've seen the, you know, we've obviously seen the horseshoe ghost. That that's um, it's all based around luck. It created luck for itself. It's old James himself because he felt he was unlucky. But then they're, they're going through a few panels. It's like I think it's like four panels in a row on the page, and it has the text bubble. It says, uh, it says there have been murders, and it shows a child's toy covered in blood and then the next panel it says really tragic ones and it's a, it's the child ghost holding it and for some reason that it's that mo- it's like you know that the, it's the striking moment where you go that that really tragic murder is the murder of a child they don't show a, a child being killed it's you know it's children and animals is like the big thing that a lot of people lines they won't cross but they mention it in a way that still has that gut-wrenching feeling without it being as you know as awful and, and tasteless as it as it could have been. And they're doing things like this that it feels like you shouldn't be able to to do so well and so meaningful and and have such a, a profound effect on paper. Like that this this is a book, this is this is images that you're just flipping through, and it feels like you're watching something that's that's been filmed. And it should, it just feels like it shouldn't be able to happen. It's so perfectly put together, and it's it's striking to see that done so well. Yeah, the sequential storytelling is just oh god, is just incredible for sure. Like, yeah, I mean, we just sort of keep coming back to that first issue, but it is like quite a nice showcase of of what the series comes as it develops. Where there's when I was still looking through it. Um, a bit earlier, when they're like escaping the body alley that the bastard gig is appearing at, and they're sort of like climbing out the windows and things, and he uses like really like just like plain colours and some of the backgrounds and some of those panels, just sort of like a plain like like solid pink or whatever, and it's a really like striking thing to do because it just makes it stand out rather than just sort of including sort of like a generic like background of the location that we're at it just makes it really prominent and just it makes there's definitely something about how it makes it quite nice and satisfying to follow especially when you go back to that splash page where um so as we talked about it could be confusing or it might seem confusing at first but because of the way it's sort of laid out and like you could spend ages looking at that page and each time I read that issue I do (laughs) because there are so many different sort of routes that your eye can take as you look at it. Uh, you sort of like follow the characters, yeah. like you follow the pilots or you follow the bastards or you just sort of looking all over and the way everything is done with like fitting all the speech in there and all like the detail in the house and sort of like the general overview of it we get and like you say, the, the gag of the drummers and it's just, it's just all those like little details that make it so well crafted and so not only easy and con- convenient to follow, but incredibly compelling too 
like you you really want to and feel excited to keep turning the page and running those panels and yeah it's such an awesome read it's that fluidity that you mentioned in your review it's it it yes it's that fluidity that's throughout the entirety the fluidity of the art the fluidity of the speech bubbles the fluidity of the storytelling of you know these people that are so real and all the crazy stuff that's going on over it. it's fluid fluidity and the fluidness <laughs> is is perfect and before we start to wrap it up do you want to talk a bit about the ending of the series oh okay if if we're if you're all right with us uh going full spoiler mode i'm absolutely okay with that yeah i mean yeah just uh, uh so i'm just curious to see what you think about it. we sort of teased it earlier but if we're sort of going full complete spoilers then it's a very interesting ending it was one of those endings when it felt somewhat surprising but it sort of it made sense it felt fitting and i think it didn't feel too out of place for the comic in terms of the themes and ideas and what's sort of been set up yeah, we had we had a lot of moments up and up to that because there's it's the whole the maze of the house and how you know the the old James is trying to keep them away from um, his daughter and then from seeing each other and stuff and it's there's a lot of like you, they're trying to get towards the end that you feel like they they are physically trying to run towards the end of the comic like that that's what's happening here and then like you said it's it's surprising because I did it's. It's not how I imagined it to end, but as soon as it ends that way, you go, that makes sense. The the very I can't remember the exact words used in within the panel. Um, I I definitely should have read this before coming on. Um, but where they find out that well, you find out as the same time as as uh, they find out that they're all dead, and they go, well, we we haven't eaten for for weeks. We've been in here for months, and and they realize that when they destroy the house and the the ghosts, they they'd be destroying themselves. And it's like it, it's that it's that old trope of you know one person left behind to you know destroy the ship full of aliens, or one person to set off the bomb that wipes out the the virus, but they have to die too. It was that done, the thing that we've seen time and time again, but in a way that you've never seen done before, and it came and completely blindsided me. I I had no idea that's what we were about. We were about to have the story be. It's like it feels like I should have known that they were all going to be dead, mm. but for, but for some reason I didn't. Yeah, considering the idea that the series have built up built up so far with the ghosts and everything to actually end the series with the main characters becoming said ghosts and sort of moving on and transforming in that way and it's it's quite a sort of deep and introspective ending when I think about it considering I just sort of alluded to in the non-spoilery part where issue 10 ends because for lots of <laughs> to go to sort of to go all the way back quickly at the end of the first arc, when the house sinks into the lake and Rip thinks Amy and Buzz are sort of dead and just gone, and then they sort of spend most of the second arc all separated, and then 
the end of issue 10, at the end of the second arc, is sort of like the dramatic reunion where all three of them are reunited and they're about to have like the big battle with the mech. And then um, arc three, sort of the battle sort of is in the background of arc three while they have like a couple of final quests to do. So to have the climactic final arc, which is already quite action-packed up to that point, have a surprisingly introspective final issue, it was definitely, it felt very powerful. And I guess it just all goes back to that, what I was saying is that even the ending is just wild when you think about it. But then when you sort of consider like the emotion and what was behind, what was behind it, yeah, very, a, a very special and unique ending for sure. Uh, again, we have to uh, we have to draw the, the the links to the to how well the art and the writing work together as well. Because yeah. what I remember the most is that how the the light, how bright everything was, and there was yeah. lots of greens, the green hue that was coming off the heart of the house essentially. And it's it it's it's a it's a very striking. It was a there were very striking panels to end on with that you know visually like with how bright things were and then. The revelation of what we're finding out about the main characters—it, it all just sort of dovetailed perfectly together with each other. The writing and the 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 artwork yet again to just give this huge final final piece to like you said, like the 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 huge battle that's going on. Like that's not that should be the the big you know movie ending is you know watching a mech beat the crap out of a house like it's that yeah. why why uh, how have they managed to subvert things so that that's not the thing we necessarily want to be seeing we want to be seeing these characters it's it's how well written those characters are that we want to know what's happening to them sure what happens to them ends up allowing you know one side of uh, this fight to to be the the winner one side to be the loser but that's not necessarily what we're so worried about we're worried about the characters themselves i think it's in in to jump back again in issue two amy says that she just wants to she says she just wants to get all these ghosts make the house happy and leave and go back to playing like awful punk songs and and doing stuff that she wants to do with her friends and there's part of you that goes maybe that's how what will happen maybe maybe she'll get it back some stuff will happen in between and eventually she'll come out and you don't get that. That gets scrubbed off. She doesn't. She's not allowed to do that. You're you're emotionally invested, hoping that at some point she's going to come out of it, and it, the rug's pulled from underneath you, and you're left with the realization that none none of the main characters at all have a good uh, happy ending. But it is an overall general happy ending because you know things work out well. It's it's a it, it's great the way that they they subvert what we're supposed to be paying attention to and and draw draw your attention to the inner work the inner workings of the story by seeing the inner workings of the house at the end moment yeah and yeah it is quite a bittersweet ending in that sense because doesn't it end with one of their tapes gets out and suddenly they like become popular of course after they're dead (laughs) yeah like the classic if i remember correctly and so that was always quite a sort of a yeah a nice way to end it, but also like oh, a bit like very that, bittersweet. But... Yeah, 
there's a lot of bits like it's bittersweet the fact that you find out that they're dead. Bittersweet that you know they're popular after they die, and it's just they they lay it on quite thick. <laughs> it's not. Mm. It, it's, I I I like we were mentioning before. I was I was struggling to to actually pick up the book and read it because I didn't want it to end. And actually getting through it was quite. It was quite tough. It was there's there's a lot of but you're like oh god I I, I wish I wished it had you know ended out better for them and. You're having to, uh, it felt like you were having to push yourself through that in, in a good way. You know, it, you were made to feel those strong emotions like like we felt prior in, in certain parts in the book, but it was topped off really well. Yeah, I suppose that's part of the beauty of it. And that in the final issue, it sort of ends up coming a bit around to just focusing like purely on the characters. And then in the final pages, it was sort of purely on the band and what that meant the Homesick Pilots as a band. Um, yeah, as as well as the characters and as well as the ghosts and everything that was introduced in the series. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say about the series that you wanted to mention? Or I know we've talked a lot, but yeah, we have, haven't we? Uh, it, this this is this has run on quite a bit. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. No, there's nothing else really. Um, I I just like to tell people to go out and experience it, get, grab it. This is um like I I can't really find any more words to say how fantastic it is i i want everybody to go out read this for the first time and hopefully find the enjoyment that we've both found in it it's it's quite a moving piece of, of art and it's you know more so than i expected when i first picked it up and if you do like it go out and support the you know the team that that made it like you said we've got yeah again is it against them all? Is that what against it's like all against, all against all, all? Sorry, all against all coming out in December. You know, we, we want to go out there. We want to support artists and writers that are creating works that are that are this fantastic. It's not just you know your same old tropes. It's the it, there's definitely mm. a lot of heart in this writing. There's a lot of thinking going into it. Yeah, I think they also worked together before this. Um, the writer and artist. Um, on Limbo, I think it was their first image comic series together. Oh, I still haven't read, but it's on my wish list. And yeah, I haven't. It's one of those things. Where it's like, yeah, I know I'm going to love it. Hopefully, just because of how much I love this, so I'm excited to do it. And I seem to read more of Dan Waters' writing in general because I hear a lot of good things about his work. Yeah, he um he wrote um Arkham City is it Arkham City Order of the World yeah. that was a it feels like he he's a very clever writer I, I he he's one of those writers that likes to um send off a load of different tangents and then start weaving them back together mm. as it comes in it's not just a very straightforward uh, plot that you get with with Dan um and yeah I've noticed a few other things that he uh, that he'd actually written that either managed to read. He's, he's currently uh writing sort of Azrael, which is absolutely oh, yeah. brilliant. Um fantastic art in that. And we've got uh Hassan Otsman El Hau, probably butchering that name. The absolute all time greatest letterer. And if anybody wants to uh disagree with me, I will take it up with you one on one in real life. Because if you've seen that man's letters and what he does on the stuff that he posts on Twitter and you can't think that he's a the epitome of lettering, then there's something not quite right with you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because he had that cover for Above Snakes, which is another thing that I heard good things about learning to read, where it was like an all, 
lettering very clever. It was like lots of speech bubbles and things. You had to like follow across the whole page. To, I don't know if you saw that. I'm looking at it now, and it looks really interesting. Yeah, he's Hassan uh, is the only letterer that I will. If I see the name, I'll buy the book because I know that he puts his name on fantastic pieces of work, and his work, yeah, in itself can define a book for me. I think that's something that I definitely noticed about Bidikar in Richard Bidikar on this book, especially when you have something like Part of the Truth, working with Simmons and Tanyan, where it's a very, sort of, I got to sort of let loose, and that's not an incredible yeah. book I love at the moment. So, I've only have read issue one of that. Sorry. Uh, well, yeah, it's worth it. Is there anything that Sort of or just mention but... Oh, sh- shout out. Um, well, I'd like to shout you out. Thank you very much for inviting me onto this. Um, anybody My who pleasure. hasn't subscribed to this podcast, make damn certain that you do because Joe is doing a ton of work going out there, interviewing people, talking um, about the stuff that he loves and the stuff that other people love. Definitely subscribe to this on whatever podcast player that you listen to on. Um, but I am supposed to be a Twitch streamer, but I I, I uh, have a problem with consistency. So if you want to go follow me yeah. literally anywhere online, it's it's Connerea. That's C-O-N-N-A-R-H-E-A. You'll find me on most of the places, most of the socials, most of the sites. Um, but no, nothing I'm necessarily plugging at the minute, but thank you very much. Definitely, uh, definitely had a, a very good time here, and I feel like we've... Uh, chatted the ears off of many a listener yeah no it's been good to have you so I just thank you again for joining me it's always want to sort of gush about your favorite comic especially when you can do it over like what, an hour and a half almost two hours anyway thank you for bye. joining me and we can talk soon we go wherever bye welcome back i hope you enjoyed that conversation unfortunately that's all we've got time for on this episode i want to thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review the show five stars wherever you're listening. I would really appreciate it. If you want to keep up to date on new episodes, please subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments or suggestions, you can email the show at joetalkscomics at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on Twitter at joetalkscomics. And finally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at joelovescomics, where we can continue talking comics. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time. Bye!